You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I am talking with Suze Kempner. Yes, her of the Sonic the Hedgehog haircut, the incredible Twitter output, the very funny online videos and the brilliant stuff on Twitch. Suze is the very definition of a cult comedian and I invite you to come for the musical theatre and stay for the trauma as she did in her very first show, her first Edinburgh show, which as we will hear was an absolutely extraordinary entry into the world of doing Edinburgh shows. I won't spoiler it for you unless you've read the show notes, in which case you probably already know. But um, absolutely staggering intro from the Asda Kate Bush, Suze Kempner, and uh, we are going to have a fantastic conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. There are 20 minutes of extras, including Suze, on storytelling via nostalgia and the challenges of her handsome brother being on TV a lot. Uh, We'll get into those in the Insiders Club extras, which are available at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. But we're going to talk now to the only girl that didn't do ballet in school. We're going to learn about self-belief, how to wind up reply guys, and how to maintain one's armour via creative success. This is a really lovely conversation. This is Suze Kempner. Hello, Suze Kempner. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. I didn't know what to expect from your Zoom window when I saw you because there are a million <laughs> tiny versions of Sue's in my head, some of them with beards, doing Doc Cotton impersonations. Your green screen work is, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, what's the word? Not frequent, not numerous. It's, uh, what's the word for when there's a fuck ton of it? Oh, <laughs> then, yeah. Uh, high quantity. Oh, uh, prolific. Prolific, I think. I Which always sounds really good, doesn't it? If something's prolific, but yes, yeah. all it really means is lots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you are, I've been enjoying loads of your stuff online and, uh, and I saw your show as well. I saw Mega Drive and mm-hmm. really laughed out loud at the point I realised what the Mega Drive was, had been kind of <laughs> fitted into. Shoehorned. Shoehorned <laughs> yeah. is the word again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, so I've been seeing lots of your stuff and I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to talk to you about it. You're also on Twitch, which I'm afraid I haven't seen any of your stuff on Twitch. Oh, uh, don't um, worry. 
it's very unplanned. Okay, I'll fair do. Okay. <laughs> so I suppose my question is, I feel like seeing more of you mm-hmm. over the course of the pandemic. And I wonder whether that is the algorithm has registered that I like watching your stuff or whether you have become like prodigious in your output. I feel like you're chucking mm-hmm. out more content than most. I think I probably am. Yeah. The, so look, we're coming up on, I mean, today's the 9th of March, isn't it? So we're coming up about 10 days away from that first lockdown. Yeah. And they announced, I remember, they announced we won't be able to film any more EastEnders. It's going to go down to two days a week. And within 18 hours, I'd put out my first episode of <laughs> EastEnders in lockdown. Uh, which was the first time I'd ever used my green screen. Ah. And yeah, like I, I had a captive audience. <laughs> I'm a big show off. Yeah. So here you go. Here you go, everybody. Here's stuff all the time. Yeah, it sort of yeah. makes sense, I suppose, in my idea of what a Suze Kempner is, that you be <laughs> like like you you kind of wear your I think what did I what did I the phrasing I think for an old press release of yours was like wanting to worm your way into the West End. You yeah, wear that it. very much yeah. on your sleeve. Like what yeah. I want to do is uh get is achieve big kind of West End Wendy type you know mm-hmm. that you, that's the goal or one yeah. of the goals and it's yeah. almost like it reminds me of like the pompidou center you're kind of wearing the architecture of that very visibly right yeah i don't oh god i wish i was really cool and could go like yeah ultimately i just as long as i'm doing good work that's okay it's like no i i already knew that <laughs> i want to can i be extremely successful it's not even famous, but yeah, I am trying to worm my way into my dream job. All yeah. The time. <laughs> yeah. So, so when the pandemic came along, were you like, what, what have your living circumstances been over the last year? Are you living with anyone or are you, cause mm-hmm. your output is someone I suggest, I, I assume it's like that kind of John Robertson. It's just me and these four walls, man. So gotcha. I'm just gonna, oh. I'm always on. <laughs> well, it, my living situation hasn't changed at all because I've been living in my mum's house for, Okay. coming up on eight years okay, okay so gotcha. um yeah my the house and living situation didn't change my mum isn't even around more because she works outdoors so she's been able to keep working okay and yeah it's just for up until about a month ago when my room became a studio space because I got to rearrange it um I would just go right I'm making something in the lounge now and she'd go watch I play her upstairs <laughs> she was fine with that by the way <laughs> okay I'll fed it um, and and just yeah. <laughs> so we get a sense of the volume of time you're spending making it, how much of what does your yeah. week look like at the moment? And are you kind of routine? We'll get on to the work mm-hmm. in a minute, but I'm just fascinated with how you've managed to kind of chuck so much stuff out. Okay. It's not really any routine because I have to, I'm, I'm part of two podcasts that go out every week. So there's a few hours a week recording those over Zoom. Um, there's, and like if I get an idea for a video, because I'm a naturally quite lazy person, I have to go, right, I have to do it now. Otherwise, I'll think about it too much and okay. then find a reason to not do it. So, yeah. I just, and and then like, I don't have a dedicated Twitch streaming schedule because if I did, I'd never stick to it. So instead, I'll go like, yeah, I feel like doing this today. Yes. And then I'll just say on Twitter, I'm doing this today. Okay. Yeah. That's that's interesting because that that's a very – I mean, already you're kind of saying, oh, I'm so lazy – that I'd have to do this. That's a classic workaholic thing to say, right? Like, oh God, I've just got to motivate myself. Otherwise I just sit there like a big slug. Right. You know, but, but also I'm interested in that, um, 
that seems like a really useful technique for if I have an idea, I will immediately do the idea. Yeah. That feels yeah. like the sort of thing that, you know, people probably coaches say to teams. You I mean, that's like an established, yeah. you know, do the thing, be creative, do it. No, it do probably it right really now. is. Yeah. I, I have to do, I have to use that with exercise and stuff as well. Okay. If I go, I must, if I wake up in the morning and go, right, I must exercise today. I won't do it. I have to just do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For for like eight whole minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Impressive. No, it's better than no minutes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you're, I'm kind of trying to put a picture together of, of who you are. I suppose I knew you, I first knew you as mm-hmm. uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog woman, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because some of those images were very arresting. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> and then I think we gigged together. We did Beat This for Rob Deering was that in the last Edinburgh Edinburgh that happened was it 2019 or the one before because they have I want to say it was 2018 no it must have been 2019 because that's when I put the sonnet yes okay Okay. and that's a literal sonic hat it's not a metaphorical (laughs) sonic hat which one which hat do you put on first yes I just put on the sonic hat today reaches into a box of hats (laughs) (laughs) and and so I I sort of knew you as I suppose in that way that at Edinburgh loads of faces on posters and you get Mm -hmm. a sense like you might see someone do a kind of um uh like a thematic conceit one year Mm. and I just Mm -hmm. you know I'm a sort of hoary old veteran of many many Edinburgh festivals (laughs) and now I'm just like okay so and so is doing a thing or a face is doing Mm -hmm. a thing and then I suppose Mm -hmm. by that time I'd gone Oh, that's Suze. She does computer stuff because it had yeah, become yeah. a kind of thing. So just talk us through, talk us through your, look, you've done a bunch. What have you done? Like eight Edinburgh hours now? Seven or eight? The, uh, oh God. I, have to, I think that was the seventh. 2019 okay. was the seventh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. just talk us through the kind of the starting point and mm. the, the way what you're putting out there has morphed and why. Because I think it kind of went from okay. I'm the musical theatre person yeah. to I've massively gone niche, not just on video games, but specifically one video game. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so 20, 2014 was my first Edinburgh. And I I knew I wanted to do a show. I, I had no concept. I've been doing comedy about five years and I had no concept of you make your Edinburgh debut because I went up there self-produced and um there was no interest so I went I can do whatever I like for an hour it doesn't matter because probably no one will come to see it anyway so I did this show called Defying Gravity I knew I wanted to talk about my parents divorce um which happened to me as an adult and read out a lengthy email my dad had sent um at the end of 2010 which made my mum leave him like the next day because in 20 at the beginning of 2011 when my mum had first left we would like um shell-shocked war veterans go around family friends houses and she'd go bring the email which she printed out which I think is weird but okay (laughs) it was it was a seven and a half thousand word email and then she'd get me to read it out in his voice while while um we would like scream with laughter uh, with family friends at this crazy email and so I knew that was always going to be my first Edinburgh show. Oh my god! And then I talk added in the an, songs of Wicked. <laughs> talk about an origin. So that I mean, you were yeah. you were already performing comedy. You've been doing comedy for yeah. a few years, okay? But yeah. but to me, that makes a lot of sense in a mad way. <laughs> in terms of what, like, I'm I'm kind of uh, you know I've got my face in my hat. I've got my my face yeah. in my hand. Oh yeah, and yet yeah. I, and yet I'm not 
totally surprised judging by what I know of you because yeah. the idea like I know that you're close to your mum I know I mm. had heard there was you're estranged from your dad yeah um, and the but I also know that you're kind of a kind of like a like a kind of collager of pop culture so mm-hmm. the idea that you like your mum would go and now Suze will read the printed email that yes. to me it's it, it's not just the kind of the idea of you taking a found object and doing an emotional performance mm-hmm. with it but it also <laughs> it also mm-hmm. has a kind of clip art quality to it if oh you know what totally I mean. well and literally like um that show I had I already had a, I always use a projector in my shows um and I would like <laughs> I had projections of the bit of the email I was reading out, like a quote. For, I didn't read out the whole fucking thing, <laughs> but I had like, like a, the quote on the screen, um, and then just a photo of him <laughs> in like doing various different facial expressions, uh, and then I just read out that bit. And for some reason, it worked. It was, uh, and like I say, I didn't expect anyone come six. Who who was I? But people saw the defying gravity picture the picture for the show was me in full alphaba face painted green yes. um and people come along for that but then it was like come for the uh come for the musical theaters stay for the insane email and the amount of people afterwards who would go oh my mother is exactly the same oh my i never speak to my grandfather because that's what he did to oh, my mum. and okay. it was yeah it uh <laughs> it became like this thing where loads of people saw it and went oh yeah I'm estranged from a parent and I didn't know that was a thing yeah. I didn't know I was estranged either I was just like oh yeah I don't see my dad okay because it's better not to I yeah okay so that's the first show <laughs> so that well lo- a, a tremendous amount to unpack there uh, <laughs> if I can put my own stuff in quotes um so I suppose my first question is when make when making that show, were you led by like what kind of artistic mm. concerns did you have? Did like <laughs> other than I've got this and I'm going to do this? Was it simply as a piece of here's some found comedy? I'm putting some yeah. things together and I'm just operating by instinct. Like with with things like that, when I see things like that, I always think mm. this is like I love it when people do stuff like that. But part mm. of me is thinking, how do you measure or correct or tweak or edit things like that when the mm-hmm. basic path that you're following is this sense of like whatever it is I want to do is the thing yeah I don't know I think I wasn't like I say I wasn't really aware of the the whole idea of the Edinburgh debut I also this is 2014 and I hadn't I also hadn't heard the cliche of the sad ending for a show mm-hmm. I just hadn't um I'd seen Bridget Christie's show the year before. That was in 2013. I thought it was really brilliant. And I remember thinking, oh, you can talk about anything in the show. But it didn't make me go, oh, you could talk about a real hard-hitting issue. Because I wasn't doing that. I was talking about my own story. Um, and I thought it would be funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's literally it. it. And it also, you earlier said, oh, an emotional um, reading of the email. And I... I felt like I was doing a completely unemotional show because if I'm really upset about something, I don't think I could do comedy about it. Okay. Like I couldn't have done that show in 2011. Yes, okay. Um, when yeah. it was all raw and happening. Sure. And you also yeah. you also seem to have, 
I don't want to say stumbled. I don't want to kind of remove your kind of artistic <laughs> agency, but you have uh, hit upon that a thing which I I feel like should be one of the golden rules of comedy, which is that if you make it really specific, it becomes mm. relatable. And if you try yeah. to relate to everyone, it becomes bland. So by that going super it, yeah. specific, you hit upon this thing, which I think really permeates mm. all of your work. You know, your work couldn't be more specific <laughs> to, to yeah. your life and the things you like. And as a result, yeah. that presumably plays a part in kind of gathering a following of of mm. people who kind of tag on to those those sorts of concerns, right? Yeah, and it's a weird one because it's people across all age ranges – um i have you know all, all genders all um uh yeah like i have people who come back to the shows each year who are in their 50s and there's no way there's like i they didn't grow up playing sonic but they <laughs> yes. somehow relate to it i don't know yeah. it's weird um but yeah like you say if you make it really specific people will go like oh here's how i feel about that thing um, um and what yeah. was the what was the best bit of that show do you remember like a particular line i've not seen it but like do you remember a particular (laughs) bit being like either you feeling oh great i get to do this bit next or the bit that always killed yeah yes so it came came up by pure accident because like i say i didn't really know what i was doing like i remember this a brief tangent but while i was up there people say oh people someone said to me oh it's your first year you're lucky because you can just do your greatest hits and i remember being like <laughs> oh what i could have done that i could have just <laughs> i could have just stitched some sets together fuck um there was one bit in the show where so there's one bit in the email the email was written this seven and a half thousand word email he'd written it all on his iphone um so it had all, there was some weird autocorrect thing going on, which meant that every time my name came up, which was 48 times in the email, um, it autocorrected from Susanna to Susanna Nana. <laughs> and I told them that before I started reading the email. But I, in the first time I previewed it, I went, oh, P.S., every, it's, this is a weird autocorrect thing. I don't know what happened. And they all really laughed. And then every time I would read out Susanna Nana. Yeah. Um, and I'd do it in my in my impression of my dad's voice, which is exactly the same as my brother's impression of my dad's voice, it turns out. <laughs> uh, so it must be real. Um, every time I read that bit out, the audience would lose it. Um, so, <laughs> and I was like, oh, this, and that that's me. That's not a brag. It's literally just how ridiculous. Yes. Yeah, okay. And what was, just before we move on from that show, mm. what was the, was there kind of, familial fallout for having done that or had that ship already sailed like you didn't yeah yeah I had a yeah I know I didn't my mum left him on New Year's Day 2011 okay and I that was I was like cool I'm out too sure that's that's done the job for me I'm out now so yeah and did you but did you have any reservations about kind of reading a letter that was intended for the for only one or two people to see like were there any kind Um, of (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not calling you a monster what i'm asking is did no. you have reservations at the time like is this is it fair to do this uh, no no i didn't think it was unfair but i also didn't think anyone would see it yeah i just figured <laughs> this is this is not getting back to anyone this is a tiny little show hence i will not revisit the show gotcha. i wouldn't do it now okay. when i know there's an audience okay uh not so much to not be fair on my dad but just because 
I don't I don't want to hear the discourse on it if there is any. Yeah, I don't want, okay. I, I can't I can't be asked with it. So now that people have now that people saw it, then I went, oh, okay. Like I'm now more careful about what I put in my shows. Yes. Whereas yes. then I wasn't at all because I thought no one's seeing this. Yeah, we'll get on to that. <laughs> Not in a foreboding way, but there's definitely stuff to talk about there. Um, I said that in a really foreboding way. Yes, we'll, we'll get on to that. When we get... I heard what you did. <laughs> <laughs> when we get on to Reply Guys, we'll get on to that. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, so did it have, doing something that was kind of like such a, like you said you were kind of over it, did it still have mm. any kind of, I don't know, if not catharsis, did it have... Did like did your mum see the show? How did you, oh how did God. your mum feel about the show? My mum found I think my mum found it a lot more cathartic than I did <laughs> because it was comedy's allowed it was her, to be therapy yeah. if it's on behalf of someone else. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I already knew it was all ridiculous, um, and my mum did as well. But when people are like, "No way," uh, then she's able to go see. Look, they all. It was very important to my mum that people thought didn't think she was an issue um and that's kind of like it's kind of validation I guess yeah because I didn't really need that I I've never particularly needed validation in people thinking thinking my dad's wrong about me yes which is quite weird however if someone thinks he's correct and believes his you know the any any uh let's say untruths about me when i when they get back to me yeah that that stings but i think that would would anyway wouldn't it if someone's lying if like some old boss from 10 years ago yes lied about me i'd still go what yes so um, so that so that has resonance in the kind of like a way that isn't knitted to the kind of father daughter element of it yeah i think so yeah and and why yeah. do you think that is because that is presumably quite unusual that that people I mean, like, I mean, you said yourself that, you know, it, mm. you you don't feel kind of in, not invested exactly, right. but you might expect some people to, to, to wobble about that. I mean, Jesus, if you look at the yeah. amount of male comics who are writing, <laughs> someone, and someone tweeted this, I can't credit, I can't credit it or take credit for it. But someone right. said, can you imagine, uh, like, can you imagine the good that could be done for future comedy festivals if dads would just man up and look after their sons or something? I oh mean, my I'm, God. I'm butchering it, but you, you get the point. No, it's making. so true. I I heard this. This is from a comedian that I have no real affection for, but it's an American comic called Jay Moore. And it really stuck with me what he said. He said, we are the last generation of children who were not hugged by their fathers. And yeah. um, I said this to a friend of mine, my friend Gareth, who does a character called Myra Dubois. He went, oh, that's so good. And I've heard, then heard him use it as well. And it's, it's so true. There's, there's a, and I think that's why there's so many comedians sort of our sort of age yeah. who do the crap dad show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I didn't know the crap dad show was no, a thing. Sure, and, but your <laughs> crap dad show wasn't an example of the genre, was it? Because you, you weren't out doing an outpouring of your own emotion. No. So why, no. so why the... Is it, is it to do with you and your? I mean, from what I know of you from Mega Drive, you were mm-hmm. a kind of a, 
like an outsider to the usual yeah. girly gang kind of thing. The usual um, yeah. girly gang. This the is welcome to my girl. TED talk. Um, but you know, you know, from that from that anecdote you say from that story about you going around your friend's house to play duck hunt and the three yeah. boys then end up wrestling and playing wrestling games. Yeah, and you're they still, play wrestling. Yeah, sure. And you're still nailing duck hunt. And that does, so <laughs> yeah. that goes kind of, I think the point of that story is it sets you aside from a kind of traditional, mm. if there is such a thing as a traditional girl or a more oh, usual kind absolutely. of girl childhood. Yeah, it's a weird one. I went to a very, very ordinary state school in a village um, and there was, like one of the mums started up an after-school ballet club and I was the only girl in it. It was a girl in my class, and I was the only girl who didn't go to it. Okay. Um, not through choice. It just my mum was like, "Not spending three pounds a week on that. You're having a laugh." Um, <laughs> so, but I, I that I've I didn't. I then I never really gave it much thought until I went to drama school and went like, "Oh, it'd be so useful to have a grounding in dance at this point." Yeah. Um, but there was never any wish to be a a ballet girl to wear a tutu and be a ballerina um yeah and did you like how did you feel about that at the time did you feel anything about it did you notice that you were apart from the usual yeah I did but yeah I uh I think because I've got this thing where I always see myself as I will put this in quotation marks because like on an academic level, I know it's not true, but I will always see myself as an ugly girl. So it was always fact, I'm the ugly girl in the class. And that's why I'm not friends with all the pretty girls. And I was kind of like, and that's fine because it means I get to do all these things that are fun. Um, I Obviously, I wasn't okay with it, mm. but. I think that's, I think that, but that, that, that comes from society, man. They instill it in you that girls are pretty and they're ballerinas and they're not noisy. And I was all those things, but I also made no effort to be anything else. I have never made any effort to be anything other than what I am. So, yes. Yeah. Well, that, to my detriment, a lot of the time I expect. Well, I don't know. I don't think, you, I mean, I like, is it to your detriment? Because that is, that's, 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 that is a more usual kind of stand-up origin story which yeah. ends up with someone being a champion doesn't it like that is like <laughs> i never bothered doing anything other than being myself that's someone yeah. that suggests you have a certain amount of kind of self-compassion like there are some people I who guess. might be in that position and i'm not taking a position here on whether or not you were the mm -hmm. ugly girl but if you <laughs> felt like that at the time yeah. there are some people who would let that crush them and it yeah. it doesn't seem to have done that like it, i mean to what extent mm. did were you Ups, upset by that or to what extent did you like how quickly did yeah. you make that connection of going well if I'm not that that's fine because I mm. can do xyz is that something you've kind of retconned and gone it must have been okay or were you at the time thinking this isn't so bad I I think I think I've always and I thought it then uh other people have more of a problem with this than I do yeah right. and some but sometimes sometimes I have a problem with it obviously um but I think it is, I think this is, it's always been a thing where, because like I discovered how to put on makeup about six years ago. That's how, when I discovered <laughs> how to really do your makeup. Obviously, okay. I could always put lots of black eyeliner on and go, ah, my makeup is done. And I went, and it was such a revelation because it's not hard. And then you can make yourself look like anything, which is really useful if you're working in cabaret and going on a big night out like anything like that and I've so I found 
being able to do your makeup uh, really well, extremely freeing. However, I've never, I've, it's never led me down a path of, well, I'm going to Tesco. I better put on a full face of makeup. Sure. Like we're on Zoom now. I don't need to put on a face of makeup to go on Zoom. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like speaking to all the girls who, and I'm not going to say to all the ugly girls, but all the girls who feel like you're an ugly girl, like it gets to a point where you go, oh, it's, it really doesn't matter. It, it might matter to someone else, but it, sh- it really doesn't matter. Uh, and hypocrite, even though quite often I go, well, the reason I'm not in TV and film is because of Ugly Girl. Ah, okay. That Well, and that's an interesting, <laughs> I mean, I'm also kind of zooming out from that and going, oh, you wouldn't let yourself have a positive moment there. But like you no, were saying a lovely thing true. to other people and you actually yeah. just stepped back from it and said, but here's a reason I'm a chump, you know. <laughs> yeah. okay. Sorry, it's all very raw because I just watched the Meghan Mar- Markle interview. I'm like, your dad's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, sure. So... With, but do you do you fall back on that? Do you think, do you let that, you, like, you're over the fact that you are, and I'll use your inverted right. commas as well, you know, <laughs> an ugly girl, fine. Right. Um, but you're you're over that, and yet you do kind of fall back on it in moments of, moments of any comedian's yeah. weakness. Why am I not, mm-hmm. not on that? Why have I not got further with this? That yes. is what uh, uh, Felicity Ward would call old faithful, which is the stick that mm. you pick up to beat yourself oh my with. God, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely do that. <laughs> so this is Suze, and it's just a joy. Great, a great joy to talk to her. And I'm so in awe of her resilience, really, and her, her kind of toughness, her intestinal fortitude, as Henry Rollins would have it. Um, and uh, the very funny way that she that she uses Twitter, I highly recommend following her, at Suze UK, uh, S. O-O-Z-U-K, at Suze UK. Uh, and she's also, we didn't really talk about these, but she's the co-host of the Queen podcast and the co-host of the Mystery on the Rocks podcast, which is excellent as well. You can also find her streaming, I'm going to say constantly, at twitch.tv slash Kempner. So plenty more stuff coming up with Suze in just a second, but do go to comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for all of the extras, including me wrestling with the fact that she is Luke Kempner's sister, and uh, I don't I don't think I knew that. It's one of those ones where you go, it seemed equally mad that she be uh, Luke Kempner's sister or and he her brother and that not to be the case. <laughs> so um, uh, Luke Kempner, very funny comic and impressionist. And we will talk. Uh, Susie's very frank about her. Uh, the struggle, really, let's not say struggle, let's say challenge, the challenge uh, of having a brother who she perceives at least to be more kind of mainstream successful than she is. She's very open about that. And we'll also learn about how she deals with her internal mean girl. All of those on the extras at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. Also, the audio of the exclusive insiders Q&A Zooms with James Acaster and the forthcoming audio of the Nish Kumar one, which was excellent last week, but I'm not going to uh, release it for just probably two weeks or so uh, whilst we let all the faff die down. So a bit of that available there. And more of this. I don't think I have anything to spruik to you. I mean, there's all the usual at stuartgoldsmith.co.uk. But other than that, let's get back to Suze Kempner. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I really enjoyed that, that little walk through your first hour. Take us to the next right. one and what changed and what mm. you learned in between. Okay, next hour was I decided I'd been doing these characters on YouTube since before my first show. So in 2013, I started doing these characters where I was a really posh it girl called Felidia, or I was um, a Scientologist vlogger called Pixie. Uh, there were a few of them. And there was like an Essex girl who's got real interest in politics. And her whole thing is she isn't dumb at all, but she comes from that um, very glitzy only way as Essex. That was her circle, but okay. she's actually really interested in politics. So I, doing all, I was doing all these videos uh, and I went, well, rather than write a whole new hour next year, I'll just do my characters because then you only have to write an hour for four characters, <laughs> which is like, way harder. <laughs> so I took that and it, it did well. So, you know, it's all relative, obviously, but there was some industry came along and audiences liked it. And then I got this comedy agent who said, and I sent him a video of my first show, the Defying Gravity show, and said, I don't really know what to do for next year. He said, um, you could do both. And it was such a huge mistake. So okay. 20, 2016 was my, <laughs> I took up, took up and self-produced and had to, it's then obviously had to pay for two shows a stand-up show and a character show oh, wow. and um i couldn't get i got hardly any audience for either of them oh, man. and i just had and neither of them were bad shows i i couldn't even say like and the shows really suffered because i think they were fine for like a quote you know show 3a and show 3b yeah. um but yeah, it was just horrible. It was, it was horrible. And i that's the only time I thought I shouldn't be doing comedy. I should just quit. <laughs> how do you how do you keep going in that? Because, you know, mm. we all, we've all kind of stood nervously outside the door and thought, oh, maybe I'll have to can it. You know, we've yeah, all had yeah, that Yeah, there were several sh- It was a relief when it was that. And I didn't have to do it to three people. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> How do you, what, what sorts of things, what was your kind of self-narrative during that horrible time? Like, what, did you, did you have a kind of, like, why, why didn't you, here's another way of asking the question. Why didn't yeah. you pull everything and run away? What kept you in the game? Because then you pulled everything and ran away. <laughs> That's why it was a relief when no one turned up. Cause I was like, no control over that. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Is, is there a sort of sense whereby. Like, I'm wondering, I don't know if I could answer the question. I, I like mm-hmm. when it's gone, when it's been really tough in, in, in the past, I hasten to advertise <laughs> to anyone listening yeah, now. We're really, huge we're deals, really both huge deals. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those moments, I suppose, what I've said to myself is like, okay, I've just got to change the way I view this from being the triumph I thought it was to, oh, this is some more hard yards. This is me punching yeah. meat in Rocky. That mm-hmm. kind of like to try and reframe it as, oh, okay, yeah. then it's, uh, there's a, there's a, 
uh, Jackie Chan quote. I think it's from Meals on Wheels. He's about to fight Benny the Jet Urquidez. <laughs> and uh, he has this, you can hear his in, in a monologue and he's going, relax, think of it like training. It's like there's that. Mm-hmm. You sort of go into montage mm-hmm. mode. Yeah. I, there's a there's a bit in uh, Knock Down the House, brilliant documentary about a um, group of progressive uh, women who are trying to win Democratic Congress primaries and, okay. and seats in Congress. It's on Netflix. Brilliant. And AOC has to, so she primaried like a long-standing New York congressman and she had to do a TV debate with him. And he had been, you know, smack talking about her before this debate saying, oh, this is not a problem. And she's terrified. And just before the debate, she's sitting there with her eyes closed and she says, you can do this. You're so prepared for this. This is the amount of space I want to take up. And I went, oh, that's what I was doing before my shows in 2016. Edinburgh, I'd be there going, you can absolutely do this and it's not your fault. No one's here. And it's not your fault if three people sit in this damp cave and are embarrassed and don't want to enjoy it. (laughs) So it's, it wasn't enough to not make me feel like giant piece of shit up there that year but it it's so useful i wonder how many women are doing that in spaces where they feel like when they when the thought comes in you go well you're just not meant to be here it does help to go like yeah were you say just on a technical point were you saying that stuff out loud to yourself in a room were you no. thinking it or were you or were you doing like I actual out loud self-talk okay. okay yeah yeah corner of the stage we like got a bit of fabric and pinned it to the two bits on the ceiling and two bits on the floor and i could crawl behind there to do my character changes in the dark um <laughs> we're fringing hard yeah it was so disgusting it's like my lungs are full of spores yeah. <laughs> um, and i would be behind there with the entrance music playing uh, but I'd put my fingers in my ears so I didn't have to hear the audience come in because the whispers of five people, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and I would just be thinking to myself, it's all right, it's 55 minutes and it's done and you go home. Uh, and then you don't have to do it for 24 hours. <laughs> how how much of who you are today mm. was in the you that you were at that point? Like the the Suze Kemper, I, I will. Mm. I refuse to refer to it as a brand, but the, the <laughs> you, the the persona, the Suze. Um, there's something you tweeted recently. Um, it was about the Meghan Markle thing. It was next to a meme, and right. you said, "How many people are looking at this and thinking this is just Suze doing a bit?" <laughs> and I re- that really made me laugh because to me that speaks to a really coherent idea about you and who you are and what you offer. So how yeah. much of how much of that Suze was present in that tougher mm. time? More than, <laughs> probably more than I realised at the time. Like, I, like, it was, it was so horrible. And I'm not going to say, like, it was the worst month of my life because it 1000% was not. But all the awful personal things that had happened to me in my life were all there in that month. So I think, I, I think now when I feel like absolute, you know, the lowest about my career, I remember, I go like, oh yeah, 2016. Mm. And it's better because I, because like, it was, it was actually fine. (laughs) No one, no one died. I didn't lose a limb. I got some, I cried a lot and got really bad face eczema. (laughs) 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 But I, like, ultimately nothing bad happened. Okay. 
okay. and paid all the money back and now I'm all right. So I paid it's all just the a career thing. Back. It's just a career thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what, okay. So regrouping, what was happening yeah, in your life yeah, yeah, after yeah. that in the, in the spot between that, in the year between that and the next Edinburgh, what was, what was going on? Were you still um, with the same agent? Dropped the agent uh, because he told me not to go back to Edinburgh and it wasn't some big deal like goodbye uh but i just went you know what i will just do this without an agent for a bit because it's stressing me out it's stressing me out to feel like i'm letting somebody else down and that's what i felt so um it was like a weight lifted to like oh now i can only let myself down (laughs) so yeah i then decided you don't have to do two shows to do characters and stand up so i did the stand-up show my 2017 show, I wanted to do about films because I love cinema. I love Scorsese. I've got a big poster of Taxi Driver behind me. Um, and I wanted to do how I got into cinema when I was 15. And then I could have the characters call me up on Skype. Okay. Uh, and then I'd interact with a video of my various characters. But then the last character... It, this is when I'd, I'd got a bit more savvy about Edinburgh at this point. The last character was, it was me in a wig and an Adidas top, but that's me at 15 going, what's going to happen? What's going to, and yeah. And there, there was a, you know, there was a whole, I guess I did do a sad ending to that show because it was, the time I discovered film was a just, just after I turned 16, basically something awful happened and that it was all ties into that and I was able to tie that all in in the show um but you you then get you then know when to you don't you go well you don't reveal that at the beginning you reveal it at the end mm-hmm. uh and then we sang a duet together <laughs> that's nice <laughs> of this woman's work by Kate Bush <laughs> and and in the like you say you were more savvy in kind of putting that together you've got yeah. a bit more nous about how you know what what and what one might do to yeah. stand the best chance of being noticed in terms of yeah. putting the actual stuff together when it comes to kind of writing the scripts and writing for the characters mm. my notion i suppose that for the characters is that you put on the gear and you improvise and then save the best bits or is that mm. are you actually more kind of routine than that do you sort of sit and uh, write and like what does that look like for you it's actually very written, and it's only in lockdown that I've started improving as a character. On you saved Twitch. me there because I was about to have to say, "Well, my notion was completely wrong." <laughs> my notion <laughs> is based on lockdown. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I've done in lockdown, and it's so good. And I was like, "Oh shit, I should have been doing this for years." But no, before that, prior to that, it was very written. Okay. Um, yeah. And and what kind of what was the process for for writing those kind of stuff? Like, give us an example. Mm. Like when you're obviously. Maybe not when you're writing your 15-year-old self, because one would imagine yeah. that you've got a, a wealth of experience to draw on. Yeah. But for some of the characters, were the characters still those sorts of characters you described before, like the sort of the mm. political Essex girl, those kind of notions yes. like clashes between ideas? Yeah, they. Yeah, they, it was exactly that. I mean, so my mum is a, a professional dressage writer for a job, and but we're not from money and dressage is a very moneyed sport. So yeah. my mum's a bit of an anomaly within the um, in the dressage industry, I guess you could call it. Uh, but, you know, she's carved out a path for herself within that and done very well in it. But that has meant that growing up, I've mixed with incredibly wealthy people. Um, 
which I guess is made, I think I'm from like a family of outsiders, if you want to put it that way. Like my mum's an outsider in her sport uh, and I was just carted around with her the whole time as a kid because there was no, you know, ain't no nanny. <laughs> yeah, right. So you just mix with children who are in educations that co- each education costs in a year what my mum makes in a year doing her job. Yeah. Um and yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with this. No, no, but, but that's, that's interesting. I mean, the idea of a family of outsiders is quite unusual. Often the comic, yeah. you start from being an outsider, definitely. Mm-hmm. But to be an outsider of a family of outsiders, that's quite an interesting sort of thought. Meeting those other yeah. kids, did you feel, again, did your outsiderness kind of manifest as I'm inferior to you or I'm yeah. apart from you or I'm in a different game to you? Yeah, yeah, I, but it always came back to looks. Really, I think that's a really odd thing. It didn't. It right, never you can afford to me. a face. <laughs> you can afford. You can afford to look lovely, can't you? Um, they, yeah, a weird one. I knew that they were at private school and I wasn't. Uh, but yeah, it came back to like, oh yeah, I'm that ugly girl who goes there on a weekend. Oh man! Thing is, we we'd all play together, and a lot of them would have nice ponies and I got to ride around on them <laughs> um so it's it's a weird one do you got on looking back at it now as an adult do you think mm-hmm. that they regarded you as the ugly girl or was that entirely in your head was that just like a kind of probably do you think I don't know I'm I'm getting better as I get older as of not judging everyone by my own standards but I would never like I'd never like meet someone and judge them on their looks that's so weird you don't really notice that if someone is yeah quote unquote like what even is ugly like what is it but like you do, you don't i'd i wouldn't notice it's someone but i don't know maybe they do maybe they go face this face that that bit of the face like that i don't know i think it's really weird no i mean for sure but i, I suppose i mean le- less to mm. do with the 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 actual kind of physicality of any person's face whether yeah. Whether you were behaving as if you were, you'd sort of accepted, oh, I guess I'm the ugly girl here again. Yeah, as yeah. As well, whether that mm-hmm. had any basis in reality or whether it was based oh, instead yeah, on, like... on your kind of, sorry, whether it had any basis in mm. reality of their behaviour or whether it was based on your feelings of being an outsider I, and therefore. Oh, yeah, it's probably based on my feelings of being outsider. They're, I mean, don't get me wrong, like kids have did bully me okay. for the way I looked, but that again that's kids they do do that (laughs) yeah i was uh, they couldn't bully me for being fat because i was always like a little bean sprout so but that doesn't that suggest that they would that that it was inevitable that they would want to bully you yeah (laughs) yeah and 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 still i i that's that's my experience on twitter but now i'm i get like a strange sense of like i'm 36 now come at me no marks well yeah (laughs) i mean so let's talk about this for a little bit because you are you are sorry this is all meant to be about the comedy process no 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 no, all i've done is go i just watched Meghan markle no 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 no, no. this is this is this is 
prime concom. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> um, so you are one of the most, and I think that's what first made me kind of notice you as a as a comic in some ways. Uh-huh. Your, your your amazing resilience at <laughs> dealing with like I've seen the way you know you'll you'll get aggro from someone on Twitter or not even aggro like the reply guy mm. phenomenon, and we'll get yeah, to that yeah, in just yeah. a sec. But and then kind of almost like sneak over to Facebook and go, hey, actual friends, look at these dicks. And, and you screen grab to, some dick. Yeah, so screen grabbing a thing whereby you've made a joke, someone has misunderstood it, tried mm. to top it clumsily or simply yeah. replied to it blandly in a way that kind of <laughs> yeah. just creates, you know, a barnacle. It just creates drag on the joke without offering yes. anything. And, yeah. and you are so, and it's almost like there's, you're not simply going onto Facebook and going, look at this twat. You're often mm. going, hey, everyone, would you like to celebrate with me how well I dealt with it? Because you are. You, oh, you yeah, deal with it's it. like not, not, in way, like... not in a way that's yeah. obnoxious at all. Not at all. <laughs> but I, I just think that's really like, I mean, I don't say boo to a goose on any social media because right. the idea of the conflict just screws me up inside. I'm like, how, I, I literally <laughs> will. I've got this the Facebook group associated with, the, with this podcast. And yeah. if someone kind of, if someone... Uh, what well, I was about to say traps off. That's an old Levington expression from my friend Spencer Cummings. Uh, whenever anyone traps off in there, um, I literally lose sleep. I can't cope with the uh, conflict. So you're right. just my hero in terms of how you kind of go, here's a joke. Someone does a thing. You're like, shut it. Oh, do you know what I mean? You just, you come back to it. Yeah. Uh, oh God. It, now it's, now it's all part of this conversation. I think it really comes back to the fact that I'm like, no, you can't. You can't anymore. You could. You could try and do that thing that I've known, but I've known it. I knew that way before you were even invented. It's. I think it comes back to that. Yeah. Um. And I know it's very. It's very Alan Partridge. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. But, <laughs> <laughs> posting. Yeah. Posting some guy who's like, I think I've got her here, and it's you know. Some arsehole going, huh, call yourself a feminist, but I can't help but notice you're wearing a dress in this picture. How interesting. You're like, yeah. oh, mate, you did not want to dip your toe in this pool because I've been dealing with you since I, since I could talk, since I turned around to my dad at 18 months old and inadvertently embarrassed him. Like, I have, I've already dealt with you, so this is not a problem. But I do like celebrating it on Facebook. <laughs> Is there, and I am by no means qualified at anything, <laughs> the fact that your go-to example there was your dad, and without, yeah. I'm not, I'm not pressing at the nature of that. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm. I don't mean to kind of I... get get into that if you don't want to. But the fact that the most common reply guy is an older man is, yeah. is there something there? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He was my first reply guy. <laughs> so... <laughs> So let's didn't even know. So let before we get before we get into that, let's just flesh this out because I remember. Mm -hmm, In fact, I remember I was so enjoyed. Do you remember? I like I must have texted you like a year ago, and I was like, "Suze, idea for a movie. You've got to write a horror movie about Reply Guys," which I noticed you haven't done it yet, despite doing everything else. So can you get on on it? (laughs) But but that totally came from your like. I I hadn't come up with the concept of Reply Guy. Is that is that yours? Is it a thing? I don't even know what it is. I there was an article on it. Um. I think I think there are people who think I coined the phrase. I saw an article on Reply Guys 
but it was just more general. It's like, they're not trolls. They're just reply guys. They're just guys who are just replying all day when a like or retweet would suffice. Yes. And so I was like, oh, that's so good, reply guys. Um, but yeah, I categorised them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd seen every type. <laughs> okay. And is that, is when you you categorise them, is that one of your, like when you do, I don't know, how buses would have reacted to Brexit, you know, which you yeah, do yeah. these brilliant kind of, I don't want to call them <laughs> listicles, but it's almost like a listicle format for some it's absurd really comedy. It's <laughs> Yeah. So... So have you done one of those about the categories of Reply Guy? I haven't actually. Uh, I haven't done, yeah, uh, that's, like, I've done, I did like, how the quality streets voted in the EU referendum <laughs> and how, how, <laughs> I think it's really funny because you'd do it, you'd be like the purple one, um, signed two petitions, felt really good about it for the next six months. And like people will write, scarily accurate. <laughs> no, it's about sweet. It's about <laughs> so, so, but, so that's that. But no, the reply guys, I did like, I've got a lot of experience with reply guys. Here's all the types. Okay. And I did an example because I'd done a tweet. Oh God, it's so long winded. Sorry. I did a tweet that was like, um, it's something to do with people, people who won't wear a mask, but it was men who won't wear a mask willingly wore boot cut jeans and pointy brown leather shoes in 2003. I think I wrote something like that. And I got so many, I got every category of reply guy underneath <laughs> from like, um, personally offended reply guy who's got 28 followers who assumed I was directly attacking him. So he's personally offended reply guy. There's righteous reply guy who's like, uh, attacking others for the way they dressed the so-called tolerant left. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. righteous reply guy. And he's a much better person than you. There's not funny reply guy who tells you you're not funny. Okay. You are not funny and I need So it's just all the different categories of reply guy and uh that that went nuts that and that still comes up like I'll it'll come up in my Twitter mentions someone replying to a reply guy by using my tweet about oh, that category and I'm like oh, this service. is yeah <laughs> That's like tagging white nonsense. Do you know what I mean? Is yes. that one of those things? Like- <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So with that in mind, we just come, so that we've established what a reply guy is, and mm-hmm. you, I wonder, do you do you wonder mm. whether you deliberately provoke them? Uh like and I'm not in the sense of obviously we've yeah. established. You know what I mean? I don't think that. Yeah. Of course, people shouldn't be giving each other grief on the internet. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are, like, like, do you enjoy, I feel like you provoke <laughs> them and I feel like it's because you enjoy it. Not to suggest you don't have the oh, okay. absolute right to put your stuff out there without yeah, having no, totally. shit on it. But given that you know what presses their buttons, do you ever yeah. find yourself baiting them? No, but I do tweet stuff knowing full well the reaction I'll get. So I only want to appeal to the what I would call the audience I want to appeal to. Yes. Like I that's who I want to appeal to. It's always annoying to get a reply guy. I actually I like the reason I'm sharing the screen grabs then on my private Facebook for people to go, wah is not because I'm like, yes, I caught one. I fish I, I, people will reply with like a gif of someone fishing and I go like, no, you okay, don't understand. Okay. I don't want them there. I want them to leave me alone. However, I guess I built a thing now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It, I would, I'd honestly rather, because I get, there'll be occasionally like massive flurries of abuse from what I've coined flag Twitter. Yes. Is, is, oh, was that your coinage? I, I know yeah, about flag Yeah, I started Twitter. using flag Twitter. Um, and that's guys who've, 
who are called like Mike zero one nine two three eight six, and they've got a Union Jack in their, in their name. <laughs> Twitter yeah. name or a St George's Cross, um, and they hate me the most. And when they come for me, they can get really abusive. But that I find almost validating because I'm like, oh, I've pissed these guys off. Um, I don't want them as an audience. So when they tell me I'm not funny and I'm sat there like so calm, I go, oh, they don't know how they, they're the only one who's angry here. Whereas if I've got some reply guy going, oh, didn't you mean? Yeah. I think you actually mean. I'm like, no, now I'm annoyed. <laughs> yes, oh, I see. So that kind of, it's it's like the limp handshake of a, of a reply guy. Yes. Of a, a, a reply guy reply. Is, That's is, it. You'd is rather they high fived of... you too hard. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Put. Okay. <laughs> You're like, ah, oh, my hand. You'd rather that. <laughs> so with Twitter, how did you get? Like, you, I know you were an early-ish adopter of YouTube. Yeah. Um, and you were were you an early adopter of Twitter as well? Because you. Yeah. I, I say, like, I'll just chuck this in. This isn't sort of really mm. technically part of the question, but <laughs> I noticed. I don't know if you know. Uh, is it Vittorio Angelo? I want to say it's Vittorio Angelo. Vittorio Angelo. And tweet uh, at that Vittorio. And he's, uh, I'll have to tidy this up if I fucked up one or either of his <laughs> names. But he's a comic and he <laughs> tweeted something. He did a Meghan Markle Oprah interview caption mm, meme. Yeah. And uh, of which there are many. His was a good yeah. it was a good one, apparently. I didn't understand it. I think it was about football. But, <laughs> um, but he then he tweeted this morning a screen grab of the stats that Twitter give you, whereby something like 1.5 million people interacted mm. with this or mm. sort of something. And then all the way down the stats, new follows four. Yes. And and I kind of went, oh, wow, is that is that how it's always been? I'll ask Suze. So talk <laughs> me through you joining Twitter and how it how how it kind of became explosive for you, how it became how you cultivated your audience sure. with with one ha- with one eye on the stats of how that works because Christ I don't know. Yeah. So with Twitter as with apparently everything else I do, I am just there going I will aggressively be myself and see if people like it. If they don't like it, hopefully they'll just stay off it. So I spent I spent 10 years on Twitter. I joined in 2009. And in that time, I got 5,000 followers, which is not to be sniffed at. I was like, cool, 5,000 followers. Then I went really viral uh, with a thread I did about working as a Christina Aguilera tribute. Yes. Okay. Um, I can't remember whether I saw the original thread or if I've seen references Mm -hmm. to it since and then gone back to it. But I certainly, it's viral enough that I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That was in May, end of May, 2019. 2019 and (laughs) it it went it like i'd never had anything go viral to that degree and i gained twenty thousand new followers uh in in like two and a half three days it it was insane and it got retweeted by piers morgan he liked it unironically ah gutted mate (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) and and do you know why do you know why that story do you have a kind of notion as to why that story went explosive when other stuff happened? Absolutely no idea still. I mean, it's quite, it's it's wacky and weird and, uh, you know, I guess, like, but I didn't plan it out. I just, I, I talked about being Christina Aguilera tribute in my comedy. Like it was part of some of my first stand-up because it's, it's tailor made for it, isn't it? Um, but I just start, I wrote about five tweets going, oh yeah, that happened one day and, and being a tribute act that happened thinking there's, there's 15 likes. Okay. <laughs> and it, it just went berserk almost immediately. Is that um, because it was true? Was it truer than like, were, yeah. you're, you're, in terms of your, the context of your mm. output up until that point, had right. you been doing long true stories? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, without even realising it. As or soon as you could do a thread on Twitter, I was, you know, you break up your tweets. And, yeah. yeah. Or it was something just from what I remember of it. it, it did it mm. kind of, did the story have the whiff of danger to it somehow? Oh, there yeah, was some there sort were, of sense yeah, of, it had a kind of hint of trafficking question mark, something yeah, like that. There were, yeah, it, I mean, it was actually really mundane. I think uh, the tribute at company was a bit of a tax dodge for a um, very minor bit of organised crime okay. in, in Ayanapa. Um but you can, uh, like, people will turn that into Goodfellas in their head, even sure. though I wasn't putting on there. I thought I would die because I never did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there is an element of that. I mean, it's so weird, I guess. This is me deconstructing it after the fact. I guess it's such an odd thing to read. Yeah, it was a Christina Aguilera tribute act uh, in in Cyprus. It was a tax dodge for the Cypriot Mafia. I guess that's so odd that people went, what? Uh, yes, and that sure. got me that got me new followers because it was about me okay. rather than just like a meme that goes viral and yes. you might get a couple of hundred extra. Yes. Yeah, yeah. tough luck, Vittorio Angeloni, as I, as I now <laughs> having checked know your surname is. Apologies for getting that wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so, th- so that big leap in twenty thousand, and then that presumably, mm. did you then try to recreate those conditions in order to continue to grow the following? Yeah, I guess uh, once I saw that if you write something in a thread format and you open it with here's with almost like a title, like here's the worst I've done, like here's the worst experience I've ever had at the cinema. And then people go like, "Oh, it's Sue's Kempner, so it will be something crazy." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then yeah, just you always always tell the truth. And is there is there something? I'm just apologies if I sound like a robot here, but is there something no, about fine. the fact that you're if you preface it without revealing it in the first tweet, mm. it makes people click on the second tweet, and then that stimulates the algo so. somehow or something like that. Okay, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and people go like, you write the first one. It got to the point after about six months of doing these threads about various different things, you'd write the first one, and then people would go, "Oh my god." I've made myself a cup of tea. I can't wait. <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, that's absolutely right. I remember, like, I've had that experience of going, like, oop, here's a Sue's thread. Like, you've sort of, you've really kind of, um, uh, I don't know what, you've kind of stuck a little flag into that and gone, this is a that's thing it. that I do well. You know, great. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And it, I got it done off help with stand up because it's the same, like, instant um, feedback. You know, like, if a, if a thread is getting, you know, if the first tweet in a thread is on a, a thousand retweets, you go, oh, there's something here and you can build a stand-up routine sure. around it. So it's been useful. <laughs> uh, again, my, my robot mind is going, so what you want to do is uh, say, here's a thread on and then some random subjects. Like, just do a thousand of them at random and whichever one gets the biggest yeah. retweets, you think, then you go back and write the actual thread going, well, it's worth filling in some sort of story for this. Right. If there's any bots listening, that's what you should do. That's what they should be doing. Stop just going around. If, you're, if your bio on Twitter says... Trump 2020 and you're in America I'm going to know you're a bot if you're coming for me because I made fun of Jim Davidson <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well let's just talk then about bots mm. and trolls and yeah and how they because that's obviously quite separate to reply guys like yes. you're, you're sufficiently yeah. uh adept at Twitter now that you can mm. that you kind of uh you attract those those kind of negative attention yeah i mean let's let's imagine Sue's that i know nothing about how bots actually work beyond (laughs) some concept that they're not physically robots yes 
<laughs> so what? So what, what? Like, what do you notice? What what gives you the whiff of a a bot, and why do you think they would respond to what you're doing? It's like a, so a bot. Uh, for those who don't know, as this is my understanding of it, that it there are people who are paid to create multiple fake accounts to spread disinformation or to drive the discourse in a certain direction i believe that's what it is yeah that's, so that but sounds, people think it's people think it's robots being run through a computer that like, ignore them it's just a bot you're not talking to anyone like actually it's still a person um okay. so there'll be just a stock image and you can tell it'll be a name with a bunch of numbers they haven't normally got shut down because they're only weeks old the account you look on the account you're like oh it was created last month okay um and they'll tend to reply with something that has nothing to do with what you were talking or, or limited to it. They're not really replying to your tweet. They're just saying something general and awful in the hope that there'll be a lot of replies. And unfortunately people bite. Yes. Um, yes. And, and I mean, they, that they, perpetuates it. I mean, I don't know that they are, it strikes me that they needn't all be actual humans. Presumably they could be, mm. they could be literal chatbots. Like they spot a word. Oh yeah. And like yeah. when you did Trump, but it's Liza Minnelli. Yeah. You know that presumably they somewhere down the line something yeah. some you get flagged as this person did a thing about Trump and has That's a, more than twenty thousand followers and so we should yes yeah that, okay. that was ve- the reaction to not wishing to intellectualize me dressing up as Liza Minnelli and this delivering is the place Trump to do it. speeches <laughs> <laughs> delivering Trump speeches verbatim because that wasn't the purpose but all I'm doing is delivering Trump's actual words with a uh sort of sort of accurate impression of Liza Minnelli that's all I'm doing the the way people who support Trump took it was very interesting because they would go you can cry about Trump as much as you like he's still going to win in November and like what bit of that was me crying about Trump those are his actual words so that's you essentially admitting that it that what he says is horseshit if you're then going yeah, you can attack him if you want. And it's like, I didn't. <laughs> I said his actual, I didn't change a word. Wait, I've, I've, got an, I've got another boring technical question about Twitter okay. and YouTube and the relationship between them. But before I get to it, yeah. something that strikes me is your glee at <laughs> being badly heckled. Do you know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> heckled not to a standard. And the yeah. way that you can, you know, you sort of frame that experience for yourself, not as an attack, the sort of thing that I would be like, oh God, someone I'm right, going right. go at me. Yeah. You frame that as, this is great. I'm hungry for it. And I'm, I'm kind yes. of, uh, uh, I'm experiencing pleasure from it. You know, you've got like, yeah. like the reply guys is more annoying, but this is just yes. proof I'm annoying the right people. To- oh yeah. When it's flag Twitter. And you've like called out some racism and they go, you're a racist. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you got me. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the idea of they, they've gone like, I can get her here. Yeah. Um, you got it a lot when they, when they pulled that statue of, uh, Colston, who's an ex, an ex, cause he's dead, but he was a slave trader. Yeah. They pulled him into the river and I, like, I said, I tweeted, oh, people have probably, there are probably lots of people in this country who learned way more about, the British slave trade from this happening than they ever did at school. And the replies were insane, but they're like, that they all say, I'm sure you've had it yourself, but they say things like, you're meant to be a comedian. That wasn't funny at all. Oh, you got me. (laughs) So it's that idea of like, you, I I like it when they fail at owning me because they're the only ones who end up getting upset 
I think that's what it is. Okay, so that's yeah. pre- precisely that. When mm. you say you like that, is yeah. that like um, is that to what extent to what extent have you had to kind of contrive that kind of <laughs> happiness at a shitty attack as yeah. a defense mechanism for putting up with shitty attacks? Like mm. presumably your life would be better if that just never happened. Oh. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. When it's not personal, it's all right. Um, it's amazing. And I have I guess I've had to turn this around. So like flag Twitter, <laughs> if they want to come for me over something I've said that's political, they will very often attack the way I look. And I've had to, I, I have had to make that a thing where I go, and oh no, I was I was going to fall in love with them, and now they've scuppered my chances. I will sure. never be able to have sex with this racist. Yeah, now. sure. <laughs> you know, you have to turn into that. But like, it's all it's all right if it's one or two. But I had a I had a weekend of it last month when a load of Michael Jackson fanatics came for me, yeah. and they were. I mean, that's some of the worst abuse I've had about my looks ever i it was crazy and it went on for 72 hours now you don't interact with them you mute them immediately don't block them because they love to get blocked because they're like she blocked me see Uh, mute them they don't know but the problem is you then see all the replies from other people going leave her alone looks aren't everything like oh Uh, yeah she's not actually a direct quote of thing yeah right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah, that and that did get to me, but you just make sure you never let them know it did. Yeah, uh, I mean, so it did, I think it, it I did think... occur to me. Like, I don't know the extent to which people will do research in order to attack someone, but if you want me to paywall that we're talking about <laughs> that, that's fine because I would hate for people to listen to this and go, "That's the that's the weak point," you know. That is, yeah. Tell me you saw. Tell me you saw my most recent ex with a girl who looked like me, but just so much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just that's how they could get to me. But they don't really. This is that. Mission Impossible just... now. I reveal that the whole interview has been about trying to work out the, the, the single tactical weakness yeah. in your armour. <laughs> it's like, turns out Stu Goldsmith's a really bad guy. Look at all these tweets I'm getting from him now. He's... <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I obviously like it is like it is. It is. It's kind of a delight for me in some ways mm-hmm. seeing you kick back against all these pricks. But at the same time, there is yeah. a part of me that's like, wouldn't it be great if you didn't need to yes. develop a joy? I think I think I sound a little bit probably like I've contradicted myself a lot uh, during this because I'm like, I don't care, and then that made me sad. But it's things like that. It's when it. I never had that at school or growing up. Someone going like, mm, "I love the way that they think you don't care. I love the way that you, um, I love the way that you own those assholes over this." I think it's that. I think it's like, "Haha, I own these pricks now." <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And do you manage to maintain that aspect of your kind of armor even when you are? Like with whatever struggles there are, whether they be creative struggles or kind of down mm. moments, does that mm-hmm. core come down with you, or are you like I'm depressed despite how fun it is <laughs> to own these assholes? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I can't think of a time in lockdown that I've been like I feel really depressed, <laughs> um, because none of this is you know coronavirus isn't personal. The worst I felt was when I actually had it, <laughs> yes. um, so. 
yeah, I, so I'm only thinking of the last year, obviously, but yeah, I can't think of them. They hadn't actually got me down, even if there were things I'm like, oh, God, I'm an ugly girl. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's that's so, I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. It does <laughs> seem like you've got a specific, not a weakness, but there is a specific thing you think. There's like a core value you have, which is can be negative against yourself. People yeah. seize on it and you still are mm. able to brush it off. And that's incredibly impressive. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm sure uh, it would be a field day for a, a psychological expert, <laughs> whatever they are. Absolutely not that guy. Um, I really enjoyed <laughs> you described yourself as a sort of Asda Kate Bush. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's kind of, I suppose when I mentioned clip art earlier on, there is a certain, <laughs> I quite enjoy the way you embrace your, like your green screen stuff being, yeah. I don't mean that it's crap. But nor are you aiming for high production values and failing. No, no, this is because like, have you seen Alistair Beckett King's stuff? It's yes. amazing. Yes. It looks like Hollywood movies. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't really know where to start with that. But I know that YouTube tells you everything. So I could learn how to light my green screen and make it all look like that. And I went, I'm not going to do that. These are Sue's videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> You put a big, big light on it so everything's very bright and then hopefully no bits of the screen are blurry. Yes. End. <laughs> yes. But there is, and there yeah. is something that, there's something that really is in step with your kind of persona, I suppose, not having spent a load of money on it. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it makes sense that you're like, no, this is part of the glee yeah. is in sticking things together that don't quite fit. Do you know what I mean? Yes, if, if it, janky. Yeah, yeah, janky. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, but an Asda Kate Bush, that's not really a question. I just <laughs> yeah. quite like the idea of an Asda Kate Bush. Is that when you when you coin that for yourself, does mm-hmm. that help you or did that help you kind of clarify what it is you're doing? There are certain things I feel like as yeah. comics, we kind of go, I guess, I suppose, like, I mean, big one for me, and it's not anything I've used on stage, really, but uh, Tom Tuck told me on a car journey years ago with Carly mm-hmm. Smallman, he said, well, you're a dad with no kids, aren't you? And I was like, oh, <laughs> God, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, now I'm a dad with kids. But at the time, I was yeah. like, oh, God, that is, you've got me there. And that's so yeah, that's useful so to know. Like, there was mm. something that just kind of Carly laughed and I kind of laughed. I laughed, panicked, mm. you know, and I sort of went, I'm having a reaction. That means it must be he true. He saw me. He yeah, saw yeah, I guess yeah. that's it. Yeah. So, so do you like, so what other things is Suze Kempner besides an mm, Asda okay. Kate Bush? What other things have yeah. you, have you or other people coined that you've gone, that's part of it? Um, like the idea of being a, an adult baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a, and not in like the comedy way. I see it less with women in comedy, more with men in comedy. Gronya Maguire, who's brilliant, yeah. Gronya Maguire said, um, she said, ah, oh, so many, there's just so many men in comedy who are our age, aren't there, Suze, who go on stage and go, I'm just a boy. That was her word in it. It's so good. And I went, yeah, yeah, thinking, oh, shit, that's what I do. <laughs> but it's because it's true. Like, I show up on time to things and I have a driving license and I, I have a car and can arrive at things like an adult would. Um, but... Uh, at the heart of it, I want to be silly. I want to play all the time. Yes. Yes. And um, I think, well, that's those two qualities, playfulness and a kind of naivety. Mm, they often go yeah. hand in hand with the idea of a comedian, don't they? Of going like, I don't yes. fit in. Ooh, I don't that's belong it. here. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand it. And I'm here am I, here I am misunderstanding it. 
Yes. So in, in defense yeah. of, uh, I mean, I sometimes feel like, oh, what is this? You know? Yeah. What am I even doing? I mean, I'm still in my mum's house um, because I'm doing the adult thing of not moving out and paying a grand a month in rent in London. Yeah. So that's adult, but it also, you're a fucking child because you're you, 36 in your mum's house. Are you staying in your... It wasn't your child. It wasn't your childhood house, was it? No, no, okay, it fine. wasn't. No, because yeah, the, the luckily because of the divorce, I could go. No, please, this is a grown-up house for grown-ups. Right. So like, just to my left, I have a Sonic duvet set. <laughs> so talk to me about that. Just while we're on, while we're on the differences between men and women, but you know, as it right. pertains to comedians, and that, I mean, I'm really yeah. struck by that idea of you. I'm not suggesting there's no such thing as gamer girls at all, but you know, the way in which you have embraced kind of gaming. And I think Mm. at the time that seemed to come hand in hand with you feeling, and I'm quoting you from, from mega drive here, but feeling weird, weird and boring. Do you mean you felt as a kid, like I'm weird and boring and Mm -hmm. geeky and I'm a girl doing things that the boys do normally. I suppose I'm not quite sure what the question is so much as kind of, to what extent is your comedy perpetuating that or allowing you to to think of it differently mhm um i it's weird i would never like tag myself i'm a gamer girl because i feel like i talk about video games way more than i play them yes i'll like yeah, okay. talk about the oh, because the, for you the, it's nostalgia isn't it Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I haven't played a modern video game. I haven't played a video game that came out after like 2000. Gotcha. Okay. Because I always say it's because they're 3D and I've got no sense of direction because it's true. <laughs> like, it's true. I started playing games on the PlayStation. I played Tomb Raider. I'm like, well, I could kind of find my way around our house, but <laughs> I don't know how to get through these but, catacombs. But you like a platform. You like a two dimensional platform. Okay. Yep. I want to hold right and jump to win. That's what I want. But like, when I was a kid, with a Sega Master System playing Sonic, um, oh, what a world. And because you're six, seven, you've got a crazy imagination. And I would think about Sonic and write fan fiction about Sonic when, before I knew what fan fiction was. Um, me and Richard Scott and Tim Wilkinson would play Sonic in the playground. Uh, no handhelds, guys. We would literally... You be Sonic, I'll be Tails. Um, we're going to that mountain. It was, yeah. you know, it was literally that. So uh, I, and I think I liked becoming an adult and going like, Sonic's still really great. So yeah, it was easy then to do a, a show about 90s nostalgia, about my personal experience of 90s nostalgia. And, you know, it's like, and I've never had to shrug it off. I've never had to take off that coat because <laughs> it's still so great yes yeah you do you think you if what you like doing one of the things you like doing mm. is storytelling about your own life yeah with an inflection of nostalgia computer games mm-hmm. musicals if that's a sort of yeah if that's a standard yeah. sue's show and i don't mm-hmm. i don't mean like a standard one but no but totally but do you yeah. like is that like I don't even I don't know what's a standard me show. I suppose I've yeah. I, okay, I could I could skewer myself with some ideas of what my standard one is. But like, do you <laughs> is there something to be said about almost like making the same album again or making the same oh, show again? Like, are you digging absolutely. deeper or do you worry that you are retreading the same ground? That what, where, do, I, where are you on that? Yeah, uh, 
when I wrote, I wrote a show called Supersonic 90s Kid in 2018, which was all about Sonic. And then in 2019, it was Mega Drive, which was more wide reaching. And they had a, they had a slightly different, like, Supersonic 90s Kid was, God, if I can remember the ending, was about, you know, I'm not the best version of myself I could be. Um, I'm not getting the good ending of my video game. Whereas 2019 was uh, more, there's uh, there's always a voice of doubt telling me I'm no good and there's always a voice that's good telling me I'm really good. and But I'm jealous of the one who's good and really chill and everything. And then you battle the bad one at the end. <laughs> that was that's the, that was the show so they were they were different but you could easily say that was the sequel yes um, yes okay. so yeah so are you there's definitely a framework yeah. are you done with sonic now or do you think there is more to find in the nature of your <laughs> the you know who you were in your life that nostalgic yeah. time that kind of stuff is there more to be found there i don't think i'd do another show about sonic um but there's so much more like I I've done I did it in lockdown on Twitch a new show PlayStation there's still stuff about Sonic in it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you to Suze what a joy what a joy and uh, lovely to I, I ran the show notes I ran the first sentence of the show notes uh, with her on Twitter and uh, she intimated that she had been having anxiety about the episode going out. And I was only too happy to tell her that anyone with any class does. So <laughs> really, really great uh, to hear from Suze again there. I hope you've enjoyed this one. There is a post-amble coming up, which I recorded before the episode because I was on one and needed to talk about it. Um, so I will give that to you just now. But uh, extras at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. And, of course, thank you to producer Nathan Wood, uh, your podcast consultant, remains Peter Dobbing despite an extended period of absence. Uh, and uh, thank you to Jake Crossland for the logging and Rob Smouten for the music. That was Suze, and this is a post-amble. I'll speak to you, well, seconds from now. So this is the post-amble, which I'm recording before the rest of the blurbs, because I've got something on my mind. So uh, apologies for nothing. <laughs> um, I did a show at the weekend uh, as part of the brilliant Gig Fest, which is uh, the brainchild. I don't know whose brainchild it is, but it's to do with Gigless, um, which is Catherine Bohart's thing, what she runs with uh, frequent co-host Helen Bauer and also Andrew White. Um, who is uh, an excellent comic and also a, a tech person of sorts, I believe. Is it reductive to describe Andrew White as the David Hoare to Catherine Bohart's Stuart Goldsmith? <laughs> I mean, it's a mediumly deep cut, if it is. But my point is, I had such a great show. I had such a great time. I had such a great experience. And what it made me realise <laughs> is is that I'm a comic. Gang, I'm a comedian. I've spent so long, of course. Listen, this is why I'm sort of committing this to, to uh, MP3 now rather than later, because I'm just off the back of this, uh, I'm, I'm level with you, chat with my therapist, um, about, like, it seems so obvious. It seems so obvious. And like a lot of things, I think a lot of the time, I can't see the wood for the trees. 
with comedy, for example. I'm so sort of steeped in it and asking other people about it that I tend to consider myself immune to the things that are going on around me. Like, obviously, we're all desperately missing our jobs. I've spent the year busying myself with a variety of kind of... uh, Things that are a bit like comedy or that pertain to comedy, but are not sitting down and writing jokes and then delivering them. So I've done all of these corporate things I've been wanging on to you about. I've done all, you know, speaking to business about resilience. I've done hosting the Infinite Sofa, which big news. Well, let's just tease that. There might be some big news coming up. Um, there certainly is on the uh, 6th of April, Tuesday the 6th of April, there is the one-year anniversary of the, the Infinite Sofa. And who knows, the big news may or may not be announced at that. You can find out more at infinitesofa.com. Anyway, that's not my point. My point is, been doing all of these other things, hosting and, and podcasting and what have you, and not sitting down and writing stand-up comedy, which I then perform. So last Monday, I and I listened, I could have advertised it more on this show. I could have sent more people to the festival. So apologies to everyone at Goofest for not doing that. I suppose I did a bit, but I suppose, I mean, I didn't have a show to rub together. I didn't have five minutes to rub together before Monday. And because I'm in the weird position of having done a work in progress at the most recent Edinburgh Festival in 2019... Like, where am I? Where am I in the, the, the year, the kind of the cycle of creating and then performing stand-up? I've got new stuff, in inverted commas, that I wrote in 2018 and previewed a bit of in 2018 on the end of the end of tour, um, which is still technically new because I've not done it at Edinburgh. So I'm in a very weird place. But I started writing on Monday, just gone. It's currently Monday. The, the current one. <laughs> so I started writing seven days ago. And and crucially as well, it's a tangential, but also crucial, a crucial tangent, if you will. Cruci gently. I um uh I I did what I would advise anyone to do. Um which the general advice I would give anyone to write a show is uh to work out what works for you and do that. And so within the umbrella of that, I also did what works for me, which is that I went for three or four long walks, thought about stuff, stopped in the street and made notes on a dictaphone, like typed them into my phone, and then put them all on bullet point on kind of index cards in keynote, like presentation cards, and then talked through them with a friend, boiled them all down, and then did them. You know, there's some writing jokes in there as well. But that's kind of the shape of it, which is satisfying, because that's I was practising what I preached. That's how I think one should do it. And... um not only that, it was a really incredibly fun show, but I just came away from it feeling like, oh my God, I have created a show in a week that was worth listening to and watching, and that I loved doing it, and I didn't feel nervous about doing it, I felt excited to do it, and I just have this, like, wood for the trees, obviously this was staring me in the face. I've been keeping myself so busy, I've had a bit of a crisis of identity because I've been wondering whether or not I miss doing stand-up. And holy hell, this felt like creativity for creativity's sake, by which I mean, whether you were there or not, whether you liked it or not, I got a tremendous amount out of it. I think it was also uh, a success to an acceptable standard. (laughs) But, But regardless of that, it was a success for me because I did a thing and loved it and remembered who the fuck I am. So thank you, everyone that came to that. And if you are struggling because you can't remember who the fuck you are, don't worry, you're still you. And it seems so obvious. I spend so long... I mean, you know, obviously, I lay it on thick sometimes, don't I? Oh, there's no such thing as the industry. There's no 
no such thing as reviews and awards and none of it matters and it's all about the art and the creativity and the community and all the rest of it. And obviously, I mean, reading between the lines, it doesn't take a genius. You don't have to be Freud to work out. Freud? I was going to say you don't have to be Inspector Morse. I think that's a line from an old show I was in when I was a kid. You don't have to be Inspector fucking Morse. Um, you don't have to know too much about psychology to clock that when a person wangs on about how reviews in the industry doesn't mean anything. Maybe they're really desperately invested in reviews in the industry and they're trying to kind of override that. Of course that's the case. But part of that process, I think, is reflected in me and perhaps you trying to sort of maintain an objective position on everything as if you're not inside it. Like, you know, because this because this podcast arguably gives me a weird sort of tenure within the comedy industry. Like, I can keep doing this now. And um, this is it pays the mortgage, at least. Um, and uh, so I, I get to kind of continue existing in can, I get to continue existing in a way that to me feels like tenure. Uh, please sign up for the Insiders Club so that you can. Uh, prolong my tenure, <laughs> comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. Um, but I try, I, I guess, I, even without the show, even without that weird idea of, of tenure, um, I think it's very easy for all of us to look at what's going on around us and go, ah, oh, yes, I observe this, but it has no effect on me. Of fucking course it has an effect on me. Of course I can, I, at one and the same time, both things are true, aren't they? I can go, it's tough for comedians at the moment because a lot of us are out of work and don't get to get up on stage. But I, and, and at the same time, I'm one of them and it's tough for me. I suppose I'm so busy trying to sort of survive mentally as well as survive financially um, that I've ended up feeling like, oh, that's a thing everyone has to go through. And because I've got my weird little niche and my <laughs> weird little audience, that's you. Sorry, you're both weird and little. Um, but because I've got the the things that I have, I have, um, uh, what's the phrase? There's exactly the right word out there. Because I have um, contrived <laughs> the weird little niche of which you are a part, um, whether whether you're a deep hardcore insider or whether you're a Suze Kempner fan who's listening to this going, what the fuck are you talking about? Who is this guy? Um, because I have that, I've been kind of quietly surviving and not really realising the extent to which I miss the thing which is, as Sarah Millican always says, I think of this all the time, it's the trunk of the fucking tree. I don't think she, and that, that's not a direct quote, but I'm sure she'd be happy to have her name put to it. Um, it's the trunk of the tree, the reason, like, this podcast doesn't make any sense to me unless I am a practising comedian. And I haven't been practising, and I've just practised, and fucking hell, it was good. Oh, man. So, ultimately to take the to point the flashlight beam away from my own face just at the end and point it into your face i am sure that if you are a creative person and your creativity has been you've had to pivot you've been god i've been celebrating pivoting but what does pivoting cost us you know if you are a creative person and you are wondering who the fuck you are anymore as i have been for a year then the news from dipping a toe into doing it properly again is that you're still you it's all still there it's going to be all right all right 
And while I think of it, do sign up for the Insiders Club because you will not only get access to the uh, recent James Acaster uh, special Zoom Q&A, but you will also, in a couple of weeks, I will release the audio of the Nish Kumar Insiders-only Zoom Q&A that we did, which was a cracking hour of uh, magnificent conversation with the man himself. So as well as that, over 100 hours of extras from all the episodes that have them. Let's say 100 episodes, 100 episodes of extras. Some of them are they're between 15 and 45 minutes long. I don't think it's 100 hours, but Christ knows by this stage it may as well be. So please do sign up and continue my tenure. Loads more great things to come. Delightful sausage next week and more exciting people after that. Speak soon.